0: This week on Fair of the Free Child podcast.
1: You know, it's like you get all this information where people are just like rah-rah and positive thinking, but what is positive thinking? It's just sugarcoating reality. It's like a tranquilizer. It's so limited. You're basically whitewashing your life with positive thinking, but what's happening inside of you is not being taken care of. And that's where the real work is. That's what you've got to do. You've got to get in, get down and dirty with your pain, with everything that you're feeling, with every emotion, and you've got to work through it so that you can come out on the other side instead of just building a bridge over it and trying to just deal with it, going through it and feeling through it and working through it, understanding it, thinking about it helps you to just change it so that you can come out on the other side a thousand times better.
0: You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. Fatima Mukadam, whose name you should be familiar with if you are a regular listener, because she's our co-producer. I wanted Fatima to be part of the Deschooling Your Leadership Lens series because her de-schooling is really centered, like a lot of us in this series, around mothering and around personal leadership, right? Around how she's recognizing the ways that she's been mothered and how that's been affecting things for her, like dissociation, which we'll talk about in this episode, along with the four questions that I ask each of us. So you'll hear Fatima Ask each question and answer it, but we're also going to talk about dissociation because I wanted to really touch on Fatima brought up in a conversation she and I had um, this thing about journaling or even talking from a space of fantasy. How this push to be positive can really stop us from doing our de schooling work because we talk about living our best lives and giving zero fucks and, you know, channeling our inner whatever which can all be good and true. But if we're pushing right over, or as Fatima will tell us in this episode, building a bridge over what caused the shit and trying to just like (laughs) be beyond that because everything on Instagram says we should be beyond that in 2020, then nothing's going to change. So in your own journey of de-schooling, what leadership looks like for you, whether as a parent, as an educator, as a partner, we really want you to think about the ways that you might dissociate from things that are particularly painful and then go over into that church of positivity thing that feels really good but doesn't help you address shit, okay? (laughs) So those are the things we're talking about in this episode. And um, as always, I welcome you to really think about not only how this feels as you listen, but also how it feels as you really connect it to your own story. Be sure to visit the show notes page for today's episode, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 150 to connect with Fatima and get any links related to this episode. That's raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 150.
1: I am Fatima Mukheram, co-producer. Fear of the free child podcast, forty-one at the moment, and just being forty-one without it having any number value, just being from South Africa with two children, seventeen and fourteen. My son is seventeen. My daughter's fourteen. Yeah, and just living life to the best of my ability, to challenge my fears, to live my dreams. To break the barriers, to be intentional, and and to expand, to expand and to and to inspire people, and I'm doing that the best way I know how. So it's like such a big thing because the transition for me happened at such a crucial moment in my life where I realized that I dissociate. And so much of my life has passed in that dissociative state that when I do come back to myself, it almost feels as though my life is not real Mm. and getting to a place where you can reconnect with not only the people around you, but the feelings within you for the time that you were dissociated becomes so overwhelming that instead of staying and working through it, it's just so much easier to just disconnect and dissociate all over again. And that has been my recurring survival mechanism for as long as I can remember any traumatic event. And when I say traumatic, I don't mean that like, it's, you know, like a major trauma, right. I mean, a simple thing as someone just raising their voice at me. And I, you know, sense any sort of conflict coming at me mm-hmm. immediately. It's like almost an immediate thing. And for me to wake up to that and to realize that that's what happens instead of me staying present, And actually dealing with it and working through it took such a big step. We left South Africa in 2017 um, to World School. So the past year or two, my thoughts have actually focused on various things. And the reason for that is, I think, because of all the traveling we've done, Um, There was just so much going on because I'm now outside of my, you know, safety bubble and out into the world and expanding my horizons. So a lot of inner work happened. And I think that I questioned the context of my life, Um, intentional living, breaking barriers, discovery of the self, um, emotional wound healing, um, expansion, yeah, spending two years as a digital nomad, having, you know, all the frustrations of being connected, as well as having the experience of also being in, you know, remote areas, because as a world schooler, you're generally looking for experience. So, you you know, you're not in the touristy areas where there is Wi-Fi. Um, And then, you know, you're stuck with slow Wi-Fi, slow connection, and just having to challenge yourself on all these different levels with everything that you experience because you're totally outside of your comfort zone. So yeah, my thoughts were definitely focused on a lot of a lot of deep work and a lot of inner work. Um, you know, the cyclical movement of life, um, how to actuate my potential, just so many things, challenging fear and suffering and the experiences that we have in life. So... That's what my thoughts have mostly been focused on over the past year or two. And it's, it's been a lot of deep work and a lot of working through pain, emotional wound healing, pushing past fear. And there's some um, questioning of beliefs as well. I don't know how many people actually sit down and say, you know, what are my beliefs in life and question that and question the status quo. I mean, you have a right to set your own beliefs and to set your own values that when you become an adult can change from what you were taught or coerced into believing and following when you were younger. So a lot of that, I think, also brought about my inner work with regards to remothering myself, with regards to fixing my dissociation that I noticed was happening a lot harnessing my physiological and psychological processes for my best interest. There was just so much of that that um, I think my whole life currently, two years later, is completely disrupted. And just having a liberated mindset where you know that you can undo a lot of practices that you've had previously and a lot of things that you've followed and including religion. I mean, there's just so much that we carry with us from childhood without questioning because of, you know, where we come from, because of where our parents come from, and the narratives, you know, that just get passed down without question. I mean, we've spoken about this before, you know, authoritarian parenting, and where a lot of the Caribbean-style parenting and our Indian style of parenting, South African Indian style of parenting is is so similar because, you know, as a child, you don't get to question your parents and you don't get to ask why you're just told what to do and you've just got to stay in line and behave and, you know, perform and act and do everything that they tell you to do so that they, as the parents, can start shining because it's more a reflection of them and their societal status. If you're a well-behaved child, then it actually was for them to see to your own well-being and how we're breaking that cycle so that we don't repeat it with our own children. So there's so much to unlearn and unpack and change so that we can do things differently, so that we can practice differently, so that we can, I think, support our children differently, so that they can go into the world as themselves where they're, they're nurtured. There was so much over these last two years that came to the fore for me Yeah, I mean, it's just mind-blowing what happens when you start de-schooling from all the things that you took for granted previously. You know, encountering so many different people that I did, um, being in spaces that I was while traveling um, for, you know, because we did slow travel, so... Um, we like in spaces for like three months, six months and so forth. Um so, you know, for me the most heartfelt moment that made me question how do I affect what energy do I bring to the to the things, to the people in the spaces that I'm in, you know, in that moment was when I was at (laughs) I was in Indonesia and I was in a class because we were doing a work away there, we were, you know, teaching at the school. And I was in a class and um, I did basically with kids, I did a like a dream workshop. So, what are your dreams and, you know, what do you want to do or see or be in life? And how do you see that happening for yourself? And a lot of them obviously, you know, had these like careers in mind that they wanted to either become teachers or doctors or lawyers or business people. And a lot of them wanted to travel and they wanted to actually leave Indonesia. You know, they were just like so ambitious in the way they dreamt about their future. And the one girl said to me, I want to be just like you. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, when you get told something like that by someone that is looking up to you and admiring you and they don't really know what life is about or what your life is about, you get to to self-reflect, I think, you go inwards, and you say to yourself, like, why would someone want to be like me, you know, and I asked her that question, and um, her answer was, her answer was just like, you motivate me, and you inspire me, and then I realized that that wasn't the first time that I'd heard it, like, people have said it to me before, you know, from sharing my posts on social media, and, you know, our travels, and everything else, people were inspired by the fact that, I didn't have like a six-figure income. We didn't have, you know, major businesses and companies. And, you know, we just with a little bit that we got from um, selling whatever furniture and goods we had, literally just filling a suitcase and taking off, just um, it touched my heart that this girl had said that to me. And when we further had discussions, she said to me that travel is one of her dreams and seeing me, you know, from a different country in her country, being able to do that, um, knowing that I've been to so many other countries, inspired her to know that her dream can actually become a reality. And I think for me, that's my deep work right now for me is to inspire others to to live beyond the borders of conformity, of normalcy, to break the status quo, to disrupt your reality. Because for goodness sake, we weren't born to just wake up, go to work, pay bills, eat, sleep, repeat. You know, there's more to life. And the thing is that we've been fed this narrative so long by colonialists that we need to go to school, get a good education and that way you'll get a good job, and that way you'll be successful. Nobody ever stops and questions it. We just like keep running on this hamster wheel. And those of us that are starting to question it, I believe, and I and I've seen this that it's 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 a growing number. We we're finding that life can happen outside of that narrative and outside of that norm. And I want people to question everything, and I want them to believe in their dreams. I want them to be able to live their dreams. Don't just have the dreams, you know. Wake up and live it. Live it in totality. Because you can find a way. You will find a way. Break out of the status quo. Break the mold. Disrupt reality. And just live beyond the borders of conformity. That's the work that I feel that I want to put out there. And then that comes, obviously, From doing my own inner work and my own de-schooling around everything. In my life, in the last two years, I questioned my fears. You know, like what are my primal fears? And how do I move past that? How do I break the barrier of fear? How do I challenge what that fear is? And how do I embrace what's beyond it? Because I think once we can push past that pathways of of fear and pain and overthinking, um, there's a lot that lies beyond that. And my wanderlust has basically shown me the light at the end of that tunnel. And for me, I think in in these last two years traveling, it's really pushed me out of my, con- my comfort zone. It's pushed me to a point where I was ready to bravely take on the challenges of life, of traveling, without having a plan, without having money, you know, with trust, with some call it reckless abandon. (laughs) I think it's, you know, just embracing life and what it has to offer. So that's really been the expansion, you know, of just sitting inside your comfort bubble, you know, where you have this predictability of life and for me the big thing is I am afraid of monotony and I'm afraid of convention and I'm afraid of consumerism and I'm afraid of normalcy and I've always been like that I've always been the weird one so to go out into the world and actually say listen if you're afraid of being normal what are you going to do to actually push past that and I did. Sold up everything. And it wasn't just me alone. It was like a family. Their children, there's other people's lives involved in the decisions I was making. And that's the reason why I think so many people, you know, called me reckless and questioned what I was doing and whether or not it was actually good for my children. But I say, you know, do something once. If it doesn't work, just shift. You know, move to the next best thing. Why live in fear of, oh, what will happen? Go and see what will happen. Go and see what you find out there. Push past that bubble barrier and you'll be amazed at what lies beyond it. You know, And, and that expansion doesn't, I don't think it only affects you. Eventually it starts affecting everything and everywhere you go because of your own expansion and because of your own expanding worldview and thinking and the de-schooling that happens and unlearning old ways. I think that for me is what education is, is educating yourself to know what's possible and what is beyond the norm. My goal is certainly to live differently and to be able to utilize that to empower other people to do the same thing. In this two years, um, we've been to so many places, amazing places. And I think if one really sits with me very emotionally, very um, personally, it would be Vietnam. And when I was in Vietnam, that's when... You and I actually had our call to start working together. So it holds a special place in that way as well. They have these like 10 days of holiday, which is uh, overlapping with Chinese New Year in Vietnam. So they call it the Tet Holiday. And we were invited to spend time in a pagoda where um, I had the opportunity to look after a baby was dropped off at the pagoda um, because this mother couldn't take this baby home her family would reject her so the baby was dropped off with the nuns at the pagoda and it was a brand new baby the navel was still intact and the umbilical cord was still intact the baby had just been born it was still covered in birth fluid the vernix, and the baby had just being dressed like that. So the clothing was stuck to the baby. And they were panicking because they'd never looked after a newborn baby. They offer their lives in service of Buddha. So they don't get married and they don't have children. So I stepped up. It was just like an instinct that that just kicked in, <laughs> you know, which was so strong suddenly, because as a mother of two kids who were 16 and 13, I didn't really have that mothering instinct. So for me, experiencing that and that nurturing nature, which I I don't think I ever experienced. I don't, and I've looked after countless babies. I mean, gosh, you know, babysitting nieces, nephews, as they were born, bathing, changing, the works, I've done all of that. But this experience was just completely and profoundly different. And if I had to really see how that influenced me um, and influenced my life, it it just changed so much within me. It also gave me a point of connection with my daughter because she loves babies. And so she was with me through it all. You know, waking up in the middle of the night, feeding the baby. But something that came to the fore for me, which was, I think, something that had been laying dormant and something that I was searching for, was my own intuition. Because I think we have intuition as children that is so strongly tuned in. We know ourselves innately without anybody telling us. We know when we don't want to eat anymore. We know when we're full and we know when we don't even feel like having any food And and I mean, we can experience this with children around us that they just intuitively know, you know, when they're hungry, when they're tired, when they're thirsty and all of that. And they can communicate the needs, even though it's not in our language, but they can communicate that. And I think that we grow out of our intuition because we're forced to go to school, to follow routine, to, you know, not be able to go to the bathroom when you want to, and just having this plan of life doesn't fit in with our natural beings. So I feel like intuition is, you know, subdued through that process. And when we reach adulthood, you decide to live differently and challenge the status quo or remain subdued because you just continue on that same pathway that society expects. And for me, the big thing was that the intuition, not only with the mothering instinct, but the intuition of knowing what the baby wanted. You know, like we would, the baby would just look at me before crying and I would know that its tummy would go out or it's going to need a nappy change or she was going to need a bottle or a feed or a bath, whatever it was. But that, that intuition just came on so strong. And the influence that experience had on me, and I remember you and I having this discussion when I told you about the baby, and you said to me, as much as I felt that I was being of service, but in the same token, that baby had come to support my life as much as I was supporting its life, and the value or the, I think, the sanctimony of just being Able to be there to support life was just so amazingly profound at that point, at that juncture in my life, in my journey. You know, in everything that I was pursuing and going through, the inner work, the healing, the self-discovery, and yes, the context of life. It actually it gave context to my life. And changed so much. You know, so yeah, I think Vietnam would be a place that stays with me for a long time because of because of that.
0: Be sure to visit the show notes page for today's episode, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash one five zero to connect with Fatima and get any links related to this episode. That's raisingfreepeople.com forward slash one five zero.